Good morning. Uh, my name's Tony Pitts. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm going to be reading the passage that Pastor David's going to be preaching this morning. It's the first three verses of Psalm 23. If you want to turn there and read along, in the Pew Bibles, it's page 428. So I'll give you a sec to, it'll be on the screen as well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is God's word. Well, good morning. I'm glad I made it up here. It's good to be together. Um, and thank you, Tony, for reading uh, a short but sweet passage that we're going to sit with together. Well, Psalm 23 may be one of the most famous poems in all of history. It appears in literature, movies. It's commonly read at funerals. You may even have it framed on your wall or know someone that does. Even those who would never open a Bible might be able to recite the first verse. Many, both believers and unbelievers alike, have found solace in its words. Why? Why is Psalm 23 so widely recognized and appreciated? Because it touches something in us. Something deep within us. It comes to us in our humanity, in our need. Life often leaves us with empty hands, tired hearts, and questions in our souls that arise out of our experience in a broken world. Am I going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? Is there someone who's watching over me? Or at the end of the day, am I on my own? Psalm 23 gives us a crystal clear and emphatic answer to those questions. And its answer is not challenge. It's not condemnation. It's not even a command to change. But only consolation. Only comfort through a declaration that the Lord knows his people intimately and cares for each and every one personally, consistently, and forever. So as we go into God's word, let's pray and ask for his help. Lord, we come to you with empty hands. We gather together with empty hands to you, the one who can fill them. You can meet the needs of our hearts, the needs that some of which we don't really even know, but you know, you know each one of us here this morning, every heart, every life, you know what we have lived with this last week the thoughts that we have had, the desires we have had, 
the hopes we have had. And we turn it all over to you and we want to sit at your feet. Sit at the feet of your word here in Psalm 23. Lord, show us your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Psalm 23, as you see there in verse 1, is a psalm of David. He was the king of Israel as he penned this poem. The Lord had promised a king to the people of Israel, one who would reign with truth and justice, one who would steward the people in the fear of the Lord. And David was the fulfillment of that promise. And it was common for kings in that time to be called shepherds. Called to steward the people of God. David was the shepherd king of Israel. And as king, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. Who is the Lord? The Lord. David uses the formal name of God here. Yahweh. This is the God who revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 3, which we've gone through a while back now. Yahweh, the great I am. This is the God who delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt with mighty signs and wonders, with a strong arm, plague after plague, desolation upon the people of Egypt. This is the one who descended on Mount Sinai in fire and smoke and gave the law, gave the high bar of holiness for his people. This is the one that told Moses to keep the people away lest he break out and kill them. This is the holy one. He's mighty, awesome, severe, and is king over the nations. And this Lord, the only Lord, is David's shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Notice that he doesn't just say that the Lord is a shepherd or even the shepherd, both of which are true. David says that the Lord is his shepherd, implying that he belonged to the Lord. Though he was the king of Israel who possessed the throne and all the authority that it bore, did not belong to himself, and he knew it. But he belonged to the one true king of Israel. Note that this psalm is intensely personal. All throughout the scripture, God is dealing with his people corporately. And he does so more often than we often realize. But here, we see God relating with David personally. Intimately. The Lord held him in his hands. And he did so as his shepherd. David knew what it meant to be a shepherd. Maybe that's why he used this image. He himself was a shepherd. He was a member of a family who owned sheep, and he stewarded their sheep in the field. What is a shepherd? Well, very simply, a shepherd is one who tended sheep. And so in order to understand a shepherd, you have to understand sheep. What were sheep? Sheep are inherently vulnerable, dependent, needy, inclined to fear. 
easily misled. Often by the anxious impulses of the flock around them. Sounds kind of like us. They will not survive on their own. And in many ways, they are powerless. They're weak, often wounded, and prone to wander. And Lord willing, they would feel right at home here at communion. They require someone who will take responsibility for them, to bring them back when they stray, to pay attention to them, to provide for and protect them, to shepherd them. Their lives depend on it. And the life of a shepherd was one of absolute devotion to his sheep. He lived with his sheep, slept with his sheep, rested with his sheep. He provided constant care and attention. Whether day or night, lest his sheep fall away, lest his sheep be taken away by a predator. Constant care and attention. He provided for them. He sheltered his sheep from all that would threaten their safety. Whether inside them or outside the flock. And in Psalm 23, 1, David is saying that all of the devotion, care, provision, nearness of a shepherd is what ultimately characterizes God's relationship with him. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. David is also implying that he's a sheep. The king of Israel, needy, vulnerable, weak, wounded. And we have seen as much, we read the Psalms. The Psalms of David are fraught with his weakness, his grief, his fear alongside of his faith. He experienced profound loss. Even still, the Lord is my shepherd. What weakness plagues you today? What wounds do you bear? How have you been sinned against today? What are the fears and griefs that you carry? What unmet needs threaten your faith in the Lord's goodness? The Lord is your shepherd. Today, you are not on your own, but you belong to the one, the only one, who is able to meet your needs. Like David, he pays attention to you. He knows you. Way better than anybody else does, and way better than you do. And as we turn to him as our shepherd, we can say along with David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We use the word want to mean desire and longing. But here, it means lack or need. And David is using it to describe the life of a sheep in the care of the Lord. Because the Lord is his shepherd, he shall not lack. He shall not go without. He won't be in need. Because God is my shepherd, I am content, David says. 
And that's not a statement of his own piety. That's a statement of the character and goodness of his shepherd. The shepherd's good at what he does. Therefore, a sheep shall not want. How do you know someone is good at what they do? Take a teacher, for example. How do you know that a teacher is good at being a teacher? Do you look at the quality of their training? Where they went to school? The degrees they possess? Where they teach? What they teach? How well they can talk about teaching? How well organized their lesson plans are? No. You look at their students. A teacher is good insofar as their students learn and flourish as students. You know the quality of a teacher by the condition of their students, and so it is with shepherds. The character of a shepherd is shown by the condition of his sheep. And the condition of God's sheep is good. Very good, as David puts it. And the rest of Psalm 23 is an honest testimony of verse 1. An honest testimony of the personal, intimate, sufficient, tender care of God, our shepherd, the shepherd of his own. In the rest of the psalm, David offers image after image to describe his experience of and confidence in the faithfulness of God's heart to keep him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sheep only lie down when they are well-fed, satisfied, and without fear. And that's not an easy task for a shepherd. Philip Keller wrote a book entitled, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. We have a number of copies out there on the bottom shelf of the bookstore. So if you want to take a look at that little book, um, it works its way through the psalm uh, in a profoundly helpful way. And Philip Keller was a shepherd, and he offers insights into Psalm 23 from the perspective of an actual shepherd. And about this verse, about this phrase, he writes, to produce the conditions necessary for a sheep to lie down, there must be freedom from the fear of hunger. Green pastures did not just happen by chance. Green pastures were the product of tremendous labor, time, and skill in land use. Green pastures were the result of clearing rough, rocky land of tearing out brush and roots and stumps, of deep plowing and careful soil preparation, of seeding and planting special grains and legumes, of irrigating with water and husbanding with care the crops of forage that would feed the flocks. All of this represented tremendous toil and skill and time for the careful shepherd. If his shepherd were to enjoy green pastures amid the brown, barren hills, it meant he had a tremendous job to do. God works to provide for his people. What? God works for his people? That's what a shepherd is. 
A shepherd works for his sheep. We need much, and we often run from the feast that the Lord has prepared for us, the green pastures into which he has led us. But he labors to show us over and over and over again that it is safe to lie down in his care, that we're going to be okay. I don't know about you, but it is very easy for me to live in fear. Somehow, I have mastered the art of imagining the worst-case scenario and projecting it out into the future. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if my fears become a reality? Maybe for you, that might be the fear of relational ruin or financial lack or disappointed dreams. Indeed, life is uncertain. Bad things can happen. Even more, bad things will happen. Yet spinning my soul into fear is futile. It only leaves me more afraid, more in bondage, more lost and malnourished in my soul. Because I'm trying to be my own shepherd. And sheep make terrible shepherds. We already have a shepherd. And he's good. We have a shepherd who actually cares. And he delights to have his sheep close. And to see you content in his care. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. The land in Israel was dry, very much unlike Kansas. Water was sparse, and it took the knowledge and foresight and intentionality of a shepherd to find water for his sheep. Even more, a shepherd had to make sure that the source of that water was tailored to the needs of his flock. Another former shepherd named Paul Krikorkian, like Philip Keller, writes about the unique needs of sheep in terms of water. Within sight and sound of water, the sheep would run toward it. Yet at their arrival, only a few would be drinking. While others, all along the edge of the water, like pedestrians on a major street in a great city, keep passing each other up and down the stream. I learned the valuable lesson that they do not drink from rippling waters. They continue until every last one of them had found a quiet little pool between two stones. No turbid streams or ruffled rivulets will attract them. They want quiet waters. Still waters. Sheep are afraid Of rushing water. Even if they're parched, they won't drink because they're afraid of rushing water. So whether it was finding a still pool of water for his sheep or carving out a channel from a creek, a good shepherd pays special attention to provide just what his sheep need. He even goes so far as to defer 
to their fear and meet them in their weakness. He doesn't stand a far way off, looking down on his sheep who are fearful at the rushing water. He does what is needed to help them drink and be satisfied. He is gentle and works to shelter his sheep. Why? Why does he do this? Why does he make his sheep lie down? Why does he lead them beside still waters? Why does he care? Because he wants them to live. David says, he restores my soul. The word David uses here means to refresh, to reinvigorate. Life depletes our souls. The Lord brings us to life again. There is a sense here that the Lord doesn't just provide what is necessary for survival, but that which will bring David joy, that which will bring him to flourishing. But the Lord, as your shepherd, is not solely interested in giving you the bare minimum for your survival. He is not cheap with you, but lavish. He is not remote or distant, dropping blessings on you from afar, nor is he transient, here today, gone tomorrow, but he is near, intimately and faithfully present to give good to you, to free you from your fear with his love. If only you will let him. Verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. What does it take to get sheep where you want them to go? I don't know about you, But when I think of leading sheep or herding sheep, I think of sheepdogs. Maybe you have an Australian shepherd or something like that, a sheepdog. For many of us here in the West, this is how we think of herding sheep. This is how we do it over here. Many shepherds lead from behind with the help of these dogs who corral sheep by chasing them, nipping at their heels. They drive the sheep with fear and the threat of harm. This is not the way that the Lord does it, for it's not the way that the shepherds did it back then. The Lord does not drive his sheep from behind with the threat of pain. He leads them from ahead with the promise of steadfast love. As we have seen in the book of Exodus, the Lord delivered his people from bondage and led them through the wilderness toward the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land of green pastures and still waters, you might say. The Lord shepherded his people. Met their needs gave them a pillar of fire and a cloud to lead them. He led them in paths of righteousness. The way they needed to go. David isn't making a moral statement here so much as he's making a statement about God the shepherd leading him in the right way, on the right paths, 
And those paths are right because they lead to life. They lead to green pastures and still waters. You might say, great, David. Awesome. This psalm is wonderful. It makes me feel a little good. I appreciate it, but that's not me. Of course, the Lord was David's shepherd. He was the anointed one, the king. He was a man after God's own heart. Not me. You don't know me. How can you say these things to me? How can this psalm be true for me? You don't know the thoughts I think, the desires that I have, the things that I do, my fickleness and failure to abide by what God says. I'm controlled by my fears, my doubts, my frustrations, and the wounds that I bear. How could God want to take care of me? I'm a terrible sheep. Hear this. There is nothing in Psalm 23 about the goodness and faithfulness of sheep. Nothing. This psalm presumes David's need. It presumes his fear. David was not a good sheep. Not only was he weak and wounded, he was profoundly wayward. We heard Benjamin bring this up last week. David was a man who used his power and influence to sleep with a a man's wife and then murder that man to cover up his shame. Cowardly. Yet as he turned to the Lord, received his forgiveness, he could say, the Lord is my shepherd. David was a sinner like you and like me, and he was held in the hand of the Lord, cherished and kept for good. Even in his waywardness, he's able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. And you can too. How? Because God has made a way. God the shepherd has chased you down. Chased us down. Us wayward sheep. The Lord, the one who reigns with might. The one, again, who came down on Mount Sinai in fire and smoke. Has pursued you. He has come down. In Jesus Christ. Turn to John 10 with me. John 10. Starting in verse 11. This is Jesus I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Earlier in verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus, the king of kings, did not stay up on his throne, but came down in weakness. He was wounded. He bore our waywardness on the cross to show how far he is willing to go as our shepherd to make us his own. To prove, to prove that he loves us. To make it known that he's a shepherd like no other. This is what David means when he says in verse 3 that the Lord shepherds him for his name's sake. The Lord's name is his reputation. It's what he's famous for. The Lord worked for David as a shepherd that he might be famous for being a good shepherd to his people. And to prove himself to be the only shepherd of Israel. And Jesus, as our good shepherd, works for us to show that God is not some distant, stingy, disinterested, inattentive, slave-driving shepherd. But that the Lord is a king who is ready to lay everything on the line for his sheep. And now we know that he is the Lord because he is the risen shepherd, no longer dead eager and able to shepherd you in your weakness and need. By by his self-giving love, he restores our souls. And his goodness and glory are shown in the care that he gives. Is this your God? Is this the God that you worship? Do you believe that this is the heart of your king? What keeps you from living in this care? Like me, you might say, but I need so much. You are a sheep. Of course you do. He knows your need and is rich in mercy. Like me, you might say, but I'm in so much pain. You are a sheep. He knows you are a sheep. Your shepherd knows the worst kind of pain. He endured it for you, and he wants to draw near to you that he might restore you to life. Like me, you might say, but I'm so anxious about my life. I tremble. You are a sheep. He knows you are a sheep. You were never meant to know what was going to come in your life. Fear not, he holds you fast. Like me, you might say, but I keep turning away from him again and again. I keep getting distracted. I keep forgetting him. You are a sheep. He knows you are a sheep. Sin is no barrier to him. He cares too much for you to let you go, and it glorifies God. It makes his name great 
when you stop striving in fear and lie down in the green pastures that he's led you into, when you drink from the river of rest and follow him in the way of life. It makes him famous for being a good shepherd. We give the Lord a gift when we receive from his hand. So let's do that together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Psalm 23. Thank you for revealing yourself to David, being David's shepherd in this way. Lord, we are hungry. But you feed us. Lord, our need is great. But you are greater. We come to you with our empty hands and we want to follow you as our good shepherd. Show us your loving kindness that we might turn back to you. That we might be led by you. And that we might make you look good. For that's what you are, a good shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.